Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. So we have the privilege tonight of having a guest with us. And although he's never, I don't think he's ever been to Church 214 before, um, he's actually, he's, he's such a friend of this house. And many of you know him. Um, so I'll invite Brian Uhlenhoff to come up. Why don't you give him a welcome as he comes up? Now this guy, I have to tell you, this guy, we've had a few conversations over the last few years, and this guy shares a similar, very similar um, kingdom-mindedness as far as living rooms and the marketplace. So you remember our Amplify vision from a few years ago? One of those questions was, where are we going? And the answer is living rooms and the marketplace. And this guy's exemplifying that by how he lives out his life. So we're really excited to have you share with us tonight. And um, Brian, you know, Brian served for a time at the Dream Center in Peoria and really has a great perspective on love and evangelism. And we're really excited to have you speak to us tonight. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Man, it's good to be, uh, it's cool to be in a place where I don't know a lot of people. Like I know a few of the leadership team, but um, awesome to see just a a new part of the body of Christ. Um, So yeah, yeah, praise God for that. And uh, praise God for your kids. That's cool to see. Uh, Yeah, give it up for (laughs) childlike faith. That's one of those concepts that is just really... Uh, wrecked me lately as man we are called to grow up into that those the, those two kids just uh, knowing that I think we're supposed to kneel and let's do it the answer is yes um, so that was a uh, that was cool um, yeah it really is a joy to be here I love what what John says in some of his in one of his letters where uh, you know I'm writing to you uh, not because you don't know the truth but because you know it and uh, really find myself just in a spot of, of being thankful to come and encourage you, maybe in some things that God is already stirring, maybe some new things. So that's what I'm excited about is just to, to stir up what Christ is doing in here. Uh, so let's, let's pray. God, we just look to you right now. God is your children. Thank you that you have uh, made us to be your children. And uh, we love you, Lord. We love you. We just say, have your way today, God. I pray that uh, you will do today what you, want us, what you want to do, Lord. Knit us in your love. Manifest the love of Christ through us today, God. Uh, speak to us, Lord, all according to your will, all by your power and all for your glory, God. We pray. Amen. Uh, I know enough about what's going on with 214 to be even further excited. So when Heather called and you know, I know what you guys have kind of come from, and I know what you're going to, and, and um, that's enough to know this is a significant season. So um, the answer was definitely yes, and when she, uh, when she said, I think this is what she said, or maybe it's just what I heard, she was asking for, like, you know, kind of a practical talk on, on how to love your neighbors, since you're about to be positioned uh, with some new neighbors. And uh, I love that topic of getting close. I spent four years at the Dream Center doing the easiest job at the Dream Center, uh, which was fundraising. I know they're looking for somebody, so if anybody, I think, I think Andy King will be okay with me saying that, that if anybody's looking for uh, 
something new. They're looking for a fundraiser at Dream Center. But uh, that was such a big part of my journey is just getting close to people and God completely changing my heart. Um, I, I left there a couple weeks ago just to make some space for something new, fellowship in my home, maybe other homes. I'm not quite sure what, but I love this topic of love because it's what I personally have been just looking at for probably six months. And it's simple, and I, you know, I've, I've known it before, but man, just consume with Christ's love towards me, and now as he abides in me, uh, I can be loved to others, and that loving others is how I stay in his love. It's this beautiful cycle. So that's the topic today is just how to love your neighbor, but I told Heather right away that uh, I don't find myself in a, a spot to talk practically about it. I, I'm more in a, a sit in awe and wonder and just looking at that command of we're to love our neighbor, we're to lay down our life for our neighbor as Christ did. And, and I don't know a practical way to lay down my life, right? I was, I was, I was driving over, and I was just thinking, man, I, you know, I wonder if Christ ever had that talk with the disciples on, hey, you're some, he, well, he did say you're, you're going to be crucified, right? But did he ever go into details of what that's going to be like? And here's some tips so that you can bear it better. Like, no, no, all his focus was just on who you're laying your life down for, right? So that's how I want to approach love today. Um, and, and, and me personally, I, this is not a woe is me story. It's a, it's my eyes have been open. I, six months ago is probably the first time I really let my neighbors love me and to really experience that love of Christ surround me. And I've been wrecked by it. It started, I, I've been at Dream Center, right, for four years. And that brought me to the spot of where I was just compelled that if I'm going to love people in neglected neighborhoods, i got to live in a neglected neighborhood. Like, that was clearly the next step for me personally. And so I move in, and, and then the, the clear next step was, uh, man, if I'm here, I need to open up my doors to the people around me. And I'm a single guy uh, who, who has had walls up his whole life, not, not massively bad ones, but just I was, it was easier for me to isolate and to have my own space. And you, you learn to like that, right? So started opening up my doors for just fellowship on the front porch uh, one, one morning a week. And that turned into two and then three and then, and then a, a, you know, three mornings and a night. And it was terribly uncomfortable, terribly tense. I don't know how families do it. Like whenever I, whenever I think of talking about it, especially in a room of parents, I'm like, this is what you guys do every day. But it was a, a terribly tough transition. And then, but I knew it was good, right? I knew it was good. And then um, uh, uh, my, probably my best friend uh, uh, moved in with me. Uh, he had gotten in a tough spot, and he was going to be homeless. And I had known for a while that this was probably where our friendship was heading to, that, that, that I could be a home for him, I should be. But I was resisting it. I don't want to lay down my life for somebody like that if I didn't have to, um, <laughs> And, but eventually, um, it was um, a clear choice. And so it was good for me, but it was terribly, terribly uncomfortable. And I got to the spot, I remember it so clearly, where one morning we were, we were having fellowship, and we had been talking a lot about the love of Christ. That has been a big theme of our conversations. And I, I just was saying, man, you guys, I know all this is good. Like, you're around me, and I, I know the love of Christ around me, the fellowship around me for the first time ever, but I literally feel like I'm suffocating. Like, I, I don't know how to walk this out another day. I feel like I'm dying. I'm so tense. And is this normal? I think God's trying to change, but, like, I feel like I'm suffocating. And we went to that, that verse, 2 Corinthians 5.14, that says, the love of Christ compels us. 
And when you look up that word compels, I mean, it's literally arrests or constrains. It's like the love of Christ is a, is a straitjacket that, yes, it keeps our flesh from doing the things that it wants to do that it shouldn't do. So very much, yes, Christ was suffocating my flesh with his love so that I could die and he could, he could live in me. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that passion is, has built uh, up and um, starting something where we're just doing fellowship in our home. We bought an eight-bedroom house, and uh, the, the six guys that have been meeting are moving in together, and uh, we'll see where God goes next. So uh, uh, just in that spot of looking at that commandment, and the more I've been looking at his commandment of loving others as he loved us, laying down our lives for our neighbors as he laid down his life for us, the less I seem to know about love, but I'm, I'm more and more convicted. I know the way, right? I, I, the direction seems pretty clear, and that's comforting me because Christ, he is the way, right? He's somebody to follow. Um, so I didn't quite know what to talk about today, but there were some, some places that I was pretty confident I didn't want to go. Um, <laughs> And one, at least I think that's the right way to say it, one is in Luke 10.25, where it, uh, this is the, the Good Samaritan. And, um, and as I read that, um, boy, I, talking about love, I didn't want to get in a spot where I was defining love in such a way that we can say yes to it, but simply uh, encouraging us to say yes to a love even though we can't define it. Right, And as, as we're reading, starting off in verse 25, it says, A lawyer stood up and put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And that teacher jumps out at me, first of all, you know, who are we looking at here? Are we approaching love, loving our neighbor, as a topic that we ought to learn as from a teacher? Or, or is it simply a command that we're meant to obey unto our Lord, right? And we'll learn as we go. So, man, I'm more about saying yes than learning about what. And it goes on, and he says to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And the lawyer said, uh, answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Now do this, and you will live. Crazy to me how he, how he knew the answer. Uh, he knew the answer, but quickly he said, but wishing to be justified, to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Immediately he got into that defining. I want to define love in such a way that I can do it rather than simply saying yes. And it goes on and, and it describes, you know, which is the good Samaritan. Uh, and at the end, verse 36, which of these three do you think, Jesus is asking, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And this lawyer said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Also strikes me how the man knew the answer. And, and I would encourage you, as, as in, in, and this is odd, coming from a place that is all about helping people get close to love. And those are all good things. I'm so excited that, that you guys are intentionally partnering with Dream Center and other places that are your neighbors to think of practical ways to love. But, but man... Here it's so clear to me that, uh, that we aren't to look to the church or look to a ministry for the answer on how to love our neighbor, right? This answer for this man came right from Jesus. So let's, let's look to him for, for what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to say yes to? 
And boy, I hope after our time we can be less and less consumed with the question of what is it, Lord, and, and what is it going to look like. Uh, the other place I didn't want to get to today uh, is, is John uh, 21. Uh, I didn't want to get to the spot of, of admitting that I know everything about love, right? First of all, I am, I, am not, I am the same as you guys. I am definitely not a Bible scholar. Take this stuff and read it yourself. Look at the command yourself. But I am, I am utterly amazed every time I read John 21 to think that, that, that Peter, after years with Christ, uh, still didn't get it, right? And, and that this command, this thing we're talking about with love, truly is something that we can only do when Christ dwells in us, right? And so as much as Peter knew about Christ, had been following Christ, uh, uh, Holy Spirit hadn't come yet, right? And uh, we have that today, but this is something we are totally, utterly incapable of doing ourselves without Christ standing. It's not something to learn. It's simply something he does through us. So 2115, and maybe you've already studied love here before, but it says, so when they'd finished breakfast, this is after Jesus uh, right died and he rose again. He's seen the disciples a couple times, and this is, looks like the last time he's going to talk to Peter before he goes, before he goes up. It says, when they finished breakfast, Jesus had said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And we got to stop there because if you've studied that love, there's two different kind of love he's talking about, Right? hits me, I, 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 I can't take my eyes off of it. When Jesus says, Simon, do you love me? He's saying, do you agape me? Right? This is this new kind of love that Jesus has brought on the scene. This is the attitude of the Father toward Christ. It's a love, as John 1, 4, 9 really says, that can only be um, uh, expressed through the actions of Christ. So he's saying, do you love me? And literally, I don't, there's miscommunication. Peter says, yes, Lord, I phileo you, right? He says, yes, but I phileo you. It's the only love he knew, even after being with Christ all this time. And phileo is a good love, but it's, but it's a brotherly love. It's a deliberate love. It's something that can be done out of your own strength versus this agape can't. And so they go back and forth, and, and man, the grace and mercy of God is awesome. At the end, he ends up coming down to Peter's level and says, do you phileo me? And, and Peter's able to say, yes. And then Christ gives one of many, many, many clear pictures of what it's going to look like in verse 18. Truly I say to you that when you were younger, you used to gird yourself up and walk where you wished. But when you grow old, you will reach out your hands and someone else will gird you and will bring you where you do not wish to go. You're going to lay down your life, right? That's what it's going to mean to love me. So my prayer for you really today is, is the same prayer I've been reading quite a bit to myself, uh, and I'm finding more and more that, man, the prayers in the Bible are as good as it gets. Like, I don't need to come up with any new prayers. I'm finding myself that I, I'm just reading the prayers right out of, out of Paul's letters, and, and the one that is a, a bold prayer to pray on, on love, and, and as soon as Heather started asking, I started praying it for you guys as well as, you know, my friends uh, and myself is is Ephesians 3.14. If you've got a Bible, pull it up. Uh, and man, I would encourage you as, as you get closer and closer to approaching some new neighbors to really uh, press in and pray this prayer for, for your community. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So we're talking to the Father that 
gave this precious gift of salvation to us, that he would uh, grant you according to the riches of his glory, that he would commission you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man so that Christ would dwell or Christ would govern in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, being fixed, being established, being stable in love, would be able to comprehend with all the saints that comprehend, make it your own, that the love of Christ, you would be able to make it your own with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That know is it would allow to be made aware of the love of Christ, to follow the love of Christ, which that know is really about following something that can't be clearly expressed, to know something that I can't see because it surpasses my knowledge and sur- absolutely surpasses my ability. And the, the picture that somebody told me that really, I think, makes it clear for me is, is, is you're, you're driving down the highway and I'm following Christ. I'm in my car and I'm following the love of Christ. This is maybe as a, a new believer. Uh, and then uh, on the on-ramp, a semi comes in and gets between me and Christ, and that semi is is my knowledge, right? And I no longer can see the love of Christ, so what do I have to do? I have to, I have to bypass. That's the prayer here, is to, is to bypass, that I'd be rooted enough that the love of Christ would be made my own enough that I would be able to bypass my knowledge and continue to follow him. And that's a big prayer, but uh, verse 20 gives us confidence that we can pray it. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask, Man, asking God to be able to love our neighbor, to be able to do the command that he has given us is no small thing, right? If we ever find ourselves, we're able to love others in our own strength. We're like Peter and, and we're, 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 we're having flail love, right? We're having brotherly affection. So t- God, do something abundantly beyond all that I even know how to ask or think according to your power It is all his power at work within us. To him be the glory. This, by his love, is how he will be glorified. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So that is my prayer, and and, um, man, that is what I'm excited for you on. Um, What I want to do today um, with whatever time is is just to hold up that commandment and really look at it, right? I, I think that... I think that 1 John 3.16 puts it in a really practical way for me. John 15.11 does as well. There's a lot of places, but, but 1 John 3.16 says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for brothers and sisters. I think that's the simplest explanation of, of what it means to love our neighbor and what, what that looks like. John 15.11 um, expands on a little bit more. It's the first time I'm using my Bible tabs. This is, I don't know if this is a Bible tab church, but I love them. <laughs> it's, I just gave into it. <laughs> 15, John 15, 11. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, may be made full. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. 
and you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. Man, this love, this command, like fruit, like bearing fruit is completely natural. That's good news. That you would bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whenever you ask the Father in my name, he would give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. So I'd like us to just look at this, and I hope if you take anything away, it's to, it's to just fixate our eyes on this with all the tension that it brings. It, it might just be me, but I think when I, when I hear the command, if the command that he's telling me is to lay down my life, that brings a lot of tension with it. If I, in, in following Christ, is filled with a lot of tension. That, that, doesn't, that shouldn't shake our faith. Uh, let's expect that, and let's learn to live in tension and really lean into God because our lives are going to be filled with it, and it's going to be filled more and more. So some of the things as I, as I think about that, that the tensions that, that really come to my mind is, is on one side, this is an extremely costly command, right? This requires laying down my life. There's, there's no limits. It's everything. But yet at the same time, abiding in this love, loving others and abiding in his love is the absolute safest place I can be, right? It's where I'm hidden. The world literally cannot uh, touch us when we're, when we're in the spirit and when we're in the love of Christ. The world doesn't know what to do with that kind of love. That's why Jesus brought it. That's, that's why he had to bring it. So it's costly, yet it's the safest place we can be. On, on the other hand, it's also this command that if I let my mind go wild, it, it, it goes on forever, right? This is not a one-time command. This isn't something to check off, but it's a way of life that's to be repeated to the end. And when, when, when they talk about pressing on for the onward goal and that I, I don't have it yet, but I'm going to keep going forward, right? We have to, we have to keep loving. Like that, that's our command. Whether, whether we can lose our relationship with Christ isn't so important to me. It's clearly this is the direction we have to go forever. We're going to always be laying down our life. So that's difficult, but at the same time, as I said, it's, it's something that's completely natural. Abiding in Christ means that we bear fruit. All we have to do is abide, and, and the fruit naturally bears. So it's a completely, everything in the kingdom is a completely natural process. And if you're okay with it, I just want to read some verses that kind of outline that tension even more and, and to look at it, because at the end of the day, we're getting to a spot where we're saying, we're saying yes to our Lord. We're saying yes to a command, not knowing what it means. And boy, what a safe place to be and what a place that glorifies God, right? That's the place the disciples were in. When he first met them, come and follow me. And they, and they laid down their nets. They, they laid down the place that they got sustenance from and their identity from, and they followed him. And they couldn't be lost at that point. Jesus could throw anything at them, and they wouldn't leave. Even when he, when he dropped the news that you're going to drink my blood and eat my flesh, <laughs> there, there was nothing that could get them out of the love at that point because they said, they said yes, an unequivocal yes to Jesus. So I want to get to that spot. And it's the same spot that Abraham was in or Abram was in, 
right? When he said, yes, I will sacrifice Isaac, right? Uh, I'm sure he thought about, is this really the thing? But the answer was yes, right? And it's only in that spot that he was able to see that the Lord uh, provides. So looking at that tension, looking at the costly thing, uh, I'm in 1 Corinthians, and there isn't a slide for this, whoever's doing the slides here. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, 8, um, it shows that really love gains me nothing, yet I get everything, right? Love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love gains nothing. It's costly, but uh, it's beautiful that, that even as Christ died on the cross, he, he lost nothing in that transaction, right? He gave up his life, but he got it back. We lose nothing as we love, right? It looks like we're giving up everything, but we give up nothing. Um, Colossians 3 one through four says, if then you've been raised with Christ, see the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Is is I is after reading this verse, and I can't read the gospels the same now, and that every time Jesus is talking. I mean, the world is constantly does not know what to do with them. They, they can't touch him, right? They're in this spot where, man, I, 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 I want to take you out, but at the same time, I want to hear more. Um, and, and kids are <laughs> a beautiful example of this. I, I was with um, uh, a, a couple friend of mine and uh, kind of south of town out in the country, and they were telling testimonies of their neighborhood and uh, they've got a lot of, like, atheist families around them. But their house is kind of the center of the neighborhood. And, and their oldest son, who's, I think, maybe in fifth grade, is reading uh, the comic book kind of version of the Bible. And he's in Revelation right now. So his friends come over, and he tells them, dude, you guys got to check this out. Uh, I've been reading Revelation, and this stuff is happening right now. And these are atheist kids who, at many times, the parents have told, have called this family and said, your kid needs to stop talking to my kid about Jesus because we're atheists. His mom left us. We don't believe in that. Like, they have a list. And the dad's like, well, he, you know, he's my son. He kind of he does what he wants to do in that sense. <laughs> and so the kid said, you know, he, the, the young boy says, you got to check this out. I'm reading Revelation. It's happening right now. And the kids are like, dude, you're not supposed to tell us about that. Our parents hate it. But tell us more. <laughs> and so they... And they said, we promise won't we won't promise won't tell our dads. So he, he pulls out the book and he's showing them what, what, what Jesus is gonna do and how he's gonna return. And then the kids at the end are like, oh, we're gonna go tell our dad on you. <laughs> but still it's happening. So like we can't be touched. When we're in his love, our life is hidden with Christ. It's only when we we step out into our flesh that the enemy can see us and and just like a whack-a-mole, when the when the whack-a-mole is underneath, you you've got nothing on it. Uh, that's where you're in the spirit. That's where you're abiding in love. And only when you step out in your flesh. Jesus never stepped out of the flesh. They kept trying to get him. They kept trying to get him to be in an argument. But he, he just kept speaking truth. So love is the absolute safest place we can be. We end up losing nothing 
as we're totally giving our life for our neighbor. And that verse that I said about love, the Christ, uh, love of Christ compels us, 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, and those who might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Uh, we get caught up in, in the love. So, yeah, praise God. So I want to go back to that, that question um, of, of holding up that command for us and, and really ask and encourage us, can we say, can we say yes to that command of love uh, even without all the details? Can we, can we be like the disciples and, and lay down our nets and go not knowing where this is going to take us? Or do we need to know all the answers? Can we be like Abraham, not wanting to say yes, but because it's our Lord that is asking us, our answer is completely yes. A thing that has really helped me just in the last week um, is as I was reading John 8, um, first it's talking about, it, it made clear to me that I, boy, my choice is a little different than I think. That it isn't so much that I'm making a choice as to, God, am I going to follow you all in? Am I going to lay down my life for you, or am I going to kind of stand by the shore? The, the question more is, am I going to lay down my life for you, Jesus, and my neighbor, or am I going to lay down my life for the world? We're going to lay down our life for one of the two. We are giving our life for one of the two. And in that light, it makes it a lot easier for me to say yes. And in, in John 8, 31, he first compares it to um, where they're talking about uh, Jesus talking about being a slave, a slave to sin. John 8, 31 through 34. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered, truly I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. And you jump to 42. Jesus said to him, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God and have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, it's a lie. He speaks from his own nature, for he's a liar and the father of lies. He's saying the question isn't, your free will isn't whether you're going to be a slave to me or not. You are a slave to me or you are a slave to sin. You are a son of my father or you are a son of Satan and you do the works of your father. And the same is true with love, which is what John, 1 John, I think, says. 1 John 2, 3. Sorry for jumping all around. I hope you guys are with me here and getting more and more in a, a spot where, boy, the word of God says it, says it better than I can. 1 John 2, 3. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. 
The one who says, I have come to know him, he does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. And the one who says he abides in him ought to himself walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I'm not writing to you a new commandment. I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. And as you jump down to 15, it says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. Because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is, in, is not in him. We are, it's, it's clear. It is clear. We are either loving and laying down our life uh, for the world with every choice, every little action we make, every decision, every move is either uh, laying down our life for the world or we go the route that has some tension while we're in the flesh and we lay down our life for Christ and we love our neighbor. And I love, there's so many, so many things in here that help us understand are we, are we loving or not? I mean, he guides us, right? He's a good father. He guides us. His commands are good. He's going to keep us on the path, but he doesn't explain the path until we're on it, right? He, you, he doesn't guide us until we're walking on the path which means a yes. Yes, Lord, I will lay down my life. Uh, I'm going to give it up. Uh, that's been my prayer every day in addition to the Ephesians is, Lord, just give me eyes to see today. Give me a choice. Let me choose to love somebody today. Like, help me to see the choice you've given me to love my neighbor today. Sorry for missing it yesterday, Lord. I can, I can think so many times, Lord, when, when I haven't done it, but, man, open my eyes to see your way of love today. And, and in, in Matthew, maybe all you who are weary and heavy laden, take my yoke upon you, I'll give you rest. That's talking about the way of love. He's saying if you're weary or if you have spiritual anxiety, stop. Because that isn't the way of love. Take my yoke. Yoke meaning commandment. Take my commandment back on you. Set down whatever thing you're doing and get back to. And so when I do that, and I'm sure when you do it, he starts to, he starts to show us step by step. Lord, I've got spiritual anxiety right now. Uh, I'm clearly in my own strength. Show me right now, Lord. Show me right now what I can do to be back in your way uh, of love. So that's the prayer for you. And I'll, I'll just end uh, reading Ephesians 1, uh, we started off by reading that prayer in Ephesians and 3, but Ephesians 1 is just our, a constant reminder that Chris started it off with, and man, we can never forget it enough that it is all, all about Jesus, right? It is, this, this task of love is so little to do with us and all about him. It is all his plan and his will. Stick with me here. Ephesians 1, 3 through 15. 
Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have all redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Are you getting the theme? Him, him, him. We're looking at the one who is calling us to do this thing. Verse 8, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of all times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ things in the heaven and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, which works all things after the counsel of his will. So, man, let's pray. Uh, I am, again, I'm just so uh, encouraged to be with you, and uh, we'll be praying for you that, uh, boy, he causes you to grow up in the love of Christ. And that that's how he will be made known uh, to your neighbors. So, Father God, thank you, Lord, that, boy, this was all your plan. And you're good, so your plan is good. And it's all according to your power that is somehow, Lord, beyond how we could think or imagine, somehow that power is manifested um, through Christ in us. Lord, let your love flow through us, God. Do what you have to do, Lord, to bring us to a spot where we, we can choose you, Lord. We can choose to lay down our life for you and our neighbors or lay down our life for the world, Lord. Bring us to a spot where we can choose you again, God, and keep doing it, Lord. Open our eyes throughout the day, God, to choose your way of love, Lord that you would be glorified in it, God, that you would be known, that your radical love, Lord, would be known in this city through that, God. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here, God, and just thank you for this precious, precious uh, part of your body here, Lord, at 214 that you're leading. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.